Good afternoon and good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Um, it is right now around uh, 4.45 here in uh, Wisconsin, and we'll be giving shir on Daf Yoma, Daf Nem Gimel. And we're starting about two-thirds of the way down from the bottom. The first uh, Amla that we're going to be learning, uh, pretty much up until the Mishnah, is about the drushos that apply to the para aduma. And then from there, we're going to learn a new Mishnah, a lengthy Mishnah, which covers about uh, half of the Amud on Mem Gimel Amud Beis, and then we'll stop at the Gemara and pick up again tomorrow night. So let's get started. We're two-thirds of the way down on Mem Beis Amud Beis at the words Amar Ula. Amar Ula, he says as follows, Kol HaParsha Kula, the entire Parsha of Para Aduma, it has unique features to it. What are the unique features to it? It says, Mashma, sometimes you'll see an implication, and then immediately afterwards, then we'll see that it undoes that implication for a different implication. So the psukim, in other words, are difficult to learn. We'll see a shita on the top of Mem Gimel on the base that this was a prevailing thought among some of the Amoraim, that they had a hard time learning the Parsha of Paraduma. And as well, says the Gemara in the name of uh, Ula, that umashma memela. And sometimes you'd see a pasuk and you'd see another implication exactly the same as it. In other words, the uh, the way to learn out the pasukim by paradum is more difficult than other parshios Shabbat Torah. And the Gemara is now going to go through um, eight or nine pasukim and the drashos therein. Let's get started. You should give it, give the red heifer, the para aduma, to Elazar HaKohen. Says the Gemara, Osa, you should give the animal to Elazar. You should give it to Elazar, who was the Skan Kohen. Below the Doros Elazar, but it doesn't always have to be given to the Skan Kohen. Implying, uh, and the Pasuk implies that we don't always have to give the, uh, the para aduma to the Skan Kohen. It can be given to someone else. Who is that somebody else? Is it a regular Kohen or is it a Kohen Gadol? It doesn't have to be the Skan Kohen, but there aren't that many options. It's either the Kohen Gadol or it's Kohane Hedyot. It says the Gemara, there are those who say that in the future in the future uh, era of the Bate Mikdash, it will always be the Kohen Gadol. There are those who say really that really it's saying that in the future that the Paraduma, the, the Nisina of giving over the Paraduma to the Beis Mikdash can be even to a Kohen Hedyot. And the Gemara questions one of these answers. Bishlama. I understand the man to Amr Lodoros Bitcoin Hedyot Shapir. If you want to say that when the Pasuk leaves vague, which Kohen to give the animal to, it doesn't have to be the Skan. But when you say that it's going to go to a Kohen Hedyot Shapir, that makes a lot of sense. I could understand you. It doesn't have to be to the Skan Kohen, so it can be any Kohen. That would be a normal assumption. However, but if you're going to say that when the Pasuk says that it's uh, only Elazar during that generation, but it's not Elazar Lodoros, and therefore in the future it has to be a Kohen Gadol instead of the Skan Kohen. That's more difficult. Minale, where do you get that from? So it says the Gemara, the Shita that holds that when the Pasuk excludes the Skan Kohen Gadol, the Elazar, who is the Skan Kohen, when the Gemara excludes the Skan Kohen Gadol and it, it therefore includes the Kohen Gadol himself, where do we learn that from? Gomar Chuka Chuka Miyamakipurim. It's based on Xer Shava. And that Shita, which indicates that the Nasina of the Para Aduma has to be to a Kohen Gadol, is based on Xer Shava. Then the next Rasha reads as follows, the Hotziosa, and it says that you have to take it out. So who's going to be doing the taking out? So we spoke about the Nasina giving the animal, the red heifer to the coin. Uh, and now we're going to talk about the Hotza taking him out. The Pasuk reads in regards to, to the Hotza, the Paraduma was not shechted in the Beis HaMektosh, it was shechted outside the Beis HaMektosh. So who was doing that? Yitzia. It says the Gemara, the Hotziosa, Shelo Yotzi Acherosima, uh, sorry, this Russia isn't talking about the who, but it's talking about some of the surrounding features, which is who is going to um, go out with that animal. Can other animals go out? So it says, 
Um, other animals are not allowed to go out with this para aduma. The red heifer has to walk out without other animals. Kiditznan, as the Mishnah writes, and this is going to be a machlokas in the Tanoim as to what is and is not allowed. The Tanakama holds as follows. Kiditznan, six lines from the bottom on Membezim and Bez. Lohaisa, para, rotsa, latseis. If the para aduma doesn't want to walk out, they're very heavy animals. You can't just drag them. They could be a couple thousand pounds. So if the animal doesn't walk out, maybe it would have been motivated to uh, go out of the base HaMikdash with, with one of its peers. So it says the Gemara, Ein you're not allowed to go out with another para that is a little darker than the red of the para aduma. Uh, why? Because we don't want people to say that the color of the hair of this para aduma was the wrong color. You're also not allowed to take out a twin, someone that has the same exact coloring. That's also not allowed. Because you don't want anyone to say that you shechted two of the same exact ones, which is also not the din of paraduma, only one. So that's the sheet of the Tanakama. However, Rebbe Omer, and some say it's Rebbe Yossi, uh, so change uh, Machlokas and the Girsa here, Rebbe Omer, that's not correct. Uh, that uh, basically the machlokas is that the Tanakama was of the opinion that there are limited things. There are only a few types of things that you're not allowed to do. You can't bring an animal that's darker and you can't bring an animal that's uh, this exactly the same. However, the sheet of Rabiosi was much more uh, limiting because what did it say? Nothing. You're not allowed to bring any other animals. Osa levada, no other animals. And we'll see what the difference between these two sheetas will be. The Tanakama, you, the Tanakama, who say that it, you're um, you're not allowed to bring out the animal which is darker or an animal which is the same color? But Tanakama, what do you do with the drasha of Rebbe? Haksi bosam, and he learned very differently than you that no animals at all can go out. So says the Gemara, Man Tanakama. What is the shita of the Tanakama? Who is the author of such a shita? Answers the Gemara, Rib Shimon he. And Rib Shimon has a famous shita, and this is going to be based off of a Gemara Maseches Baba Metzia. What is his shita? The Darish Taimei Dekra. Being Dorish time of the Krah means as follows. When the Torah gives us a commandment, we can look at it very, uh, very in a very narrow analytical way and say, what exactly does the Torah mean? And then only do exactly what the Torah says. That's the what of the Torah. But what about the why? What if we understand the rationale and the logic behind it? Do we also incorporate the why into the structure of halacha? So that Rabbi Shimon says, absolutely, we do. And that's why he says that there's a why. It's not just osa. It doesn't mean osa that you're not allowed to bring any other animal. It means only animals about which we're going to be concerned. Shalom Yomru to say that you that you shechted the animal that was a darker color or red. Or Shalom Yomru that you shechted two paradumas. So fine, I understand. But what if you wanted to bring a donkey? No one's going to be concerned about those things. So because of Shimon is Dorish time of the Kray, gives a little more latitude. Yes, you're not allowed to, uh, to bring out the paraduma with an animal that's dark or, or a second paraduma, a maskim, but a cat, a dog, uh, other animals that no one's going to get confused about. It's mutter to be, to be motzi, the paraduma, to coax the paraduma to leave the base of Mikdash with another animal that won't generate confusion. And in fact, that's what the Gemara says. My Benayhu, last line of Membez Mebez, what is the difference between the two shitas, the Tanakama, who we now know as Rav Shimon? And Rebbe says the Gemara Ika who as we turn to the top of Mem Gimel Amanat to the Apik Chamor Bahata, that it, let's say that all of a sudden the Paraduma sees the Chamor walking outside. He's okay. Now the Paraduma decides to walk. Is that mutter? So according to Rav Shimon, it's mutter because he's Dorish time of the Kra. If it doesn't conflict with the concerns and considerations of the Pasuk, then it's going to be mutter. Mashain came, the Shita of Rebbe is no, the Osa Levada, only that one animal can leave. And you'll have to just be patient when the Paraduma is ready to walk. That's when he's ready to walk. Until then, you're going to be stuck. That would be the Machlokas between them. And that is Pasuk number two. Let's move on to Pasuk number three. 
on the top of Mem Gimel Amaral Peshachat Osa, the Shrita, Shelo Yishchat Acherasima, Yishchot Acherasima, you can't shecht other animals at the same time. And what does the Pasuk mean? It says, really, the Pasuk is Veshachat Osa Lefanov. What does the word Lefanov mean in that Pasuk? Says the Gemara, that's a Machlokas Rav and Shmuel. Lirav, what does Rav mean when it says Lefanov? It should be in front of you. So we saw this yesterday. What does Rav hold? Shelo Yasiach Daito Mimena, that you're not allowed to have a Hesachadas. It has to be Lefanov. You have to be focused on it. However, third line, Ula Shmuel, what does he say? The word Lefanov means when it says Veshachat Osa Lefanov. He says, Lishmuel, Sheyehezar Shochet Ve'elazar he says when it says it should be shechted in front of him, he should shecht it in front of him. Who are all of the pronouns? So Shmuel says we learn from here that a czar, that's the first person, the he should do the shechita in front of him, in front of a Kohen. That's Shmuel's Rosh Hashanah, that it's okay for a czar to do the shechita. Also, the sugi we discussed yesterday, Machlokas and the Tanoim and the Amoraim, there's a Machlokas about that. So here we're seeing Shmuel's shechita again. Next pasuk, fourth line. Who is going to do the lakicha? Uh, who's going to do the 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 dama be'etzbao? Who's going to dip their finger in the blood? Right? We talked about the nesina. We've talked about the hotza. We've talked about the shchita. Now we're talking about a different step of who's going to be velakach elazar akoni dama be'etzbao? Who's going to stick their finger in the blood? So the Shmuel. Shmuel says, why does this Pasuk have to talk about Elazar Cohen again? We've mentioned his name many times in the Pesukim already. Why does the Chumash keep repeating his name? Says the Gemara, it makes sense according to him. Because according to the Pasuk at the top of the page where it says Lefanov, and he said to teach you that a czar is allowed to do Shechita, we had to again introduce the name of Elazar Cohen to remind us that this part cannot be done with a czar. To tell us that the person who did the Lakach that now needs to be a Kohen again, because the Shechita wasn't done by a Kohen, it could have even been done by a Zar. And according to Rav, the Rav, this is have a miut achar miut. We have two psukim in a row that have miutim, that have exclusionary language. And here, when we have a miut achar miut, so Rav says that when we have two exclusionary phrases in a row in the Torah, so therefore two, two minuses make a plus, as we have in the math world. So here, what we're saying is because there are two negative things taking place, we have an, a language of inclusion. What is the inclusion? The afilu kohen hediot. That comes to teach us that even though the Pasuk says Elazar kohen, because it is an exclusionary language, now it's miut achar miut. So it's interesting that the word Elazar is, is now going to teach us the afilu kohen hediot, that even a regular kohen is allowed to do the, 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 um, the lakach uh, to take his finger. I mean, dama be'etzpo. What about the next Pasuk? So it says the Gemara six lines down, that the Kohen has to take the eight Eretz, he has to take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the branch that was used to dip, and the ribbon. So again, we've talked about the Nasina, we've talked about the Otsa, we've talked about the Shrita, and we've talked about the Dam. We've explained all of those cases. Now we're going to the next place. What about the, these other aspects, the part that don't physically have to do with the Paraduma? What do we do with them? There says the Gemara, another machlokas, Lishmuel. Why, why there does it say hakohen? That's to teach us to afilu bekohen hadyot that even a kohen hadyot can do that job. Le Rav, it's according to Rav, we needed this. Why did we need this? Because I might have thought that this was different, even though we're according to him in the previous pasuk we were already talking about kohanim. So why here do we need to have a new reference to a kohen? Because I might have thought that kaven delav gufa deparanen who lowly by kohen. Because since this aspect of the service of the para aduma, 
has nothing to do with the physical body of the paraduma. It's the, the external secondary elements of the, of the hakra, of the eitz erez and the azov and the shnitzolas. So I might've thought that you don't need a coin there, kamash malan, that you do. Beautiful. What about the next pasuk? Afterwards, you're going to clean your clothes. So the Gemara Zedrasha, that when he does the, the, the language, he, the, excuse me, when he does the begadim, when he does the kibus, he has to make sure that he is wearing a begadim that a Kohen typically wear, not his big dechlo. What does the pasuk mean? It's the same pasuk. It continues. What does that mean? Kohen that he always has to be like this for generations. So this I could understand this answer If you want to say that the Kohen, this is the first answer that we saw a couple of lines ago, the answer of Shmuel, that if what we're saying is that the person who's who's being Mechabes Begadav can even be a Kohen Hedyot, then that makes sense. If what you're saying is that really the person who has to do the, the kibus is a Kohen Gadol, so then So then why do I need the extra use of the word Kohen here? It's going to be the Kohen Gadol. I don't need you to tell me that it needs to be a random Kohen. You should be specific and tell me who it is, not a general Kohen. Says the Gemara in, you make a good Kalvachomer, and because you do, we therefore need the Pasuk. Because you have a Svara, because you have a Kalvachomer, a very logical progression to assume that maybe it should be different. Maybe it should be a coin gadol. So therefore, says the Gemara, tarach v'kasav lakra to give us uh, to give us the correct information. And that brings us to the almost the halfway mark on mem gimel amidalaf. The pasuk reads: Now that we've done the whole process, now the fire's been done, the animal's been burnt. Right? We've been very misudar. We've learned about hotza. We've learned about nesina, giving of the animal to the coin. We've learned about hotza, taking it out to the place where it's going to be shechted. We've learned about the shechita. We've learned about the tibul b'dam, sticking the dam ve'etzbo. We've learned about the secondary pieces of the of the hakrava and how they're treated by the by the amurai. Now, what about collecting the ashes? So this is a bit of a lengthier stretch. This is going to be almost till the end of the page. There is a man who is going to collect the ishtahor, uh, a pure man who's going to collect the efer apara and he's going to place it somewhere. So it says the gemara says the gemara has a drasha ish. When it says that there is a man, it's lahachir hazar. It's to teach you that when it says ish, that it, it can even be a non-Kohen. What does the word tahor mean in the Pasuk? It says v'osaf ish tahor. So it says l'hachshir esa isha, to tell us that even a woman can be included in the asifa of the uh, efer hapara, the, the ashes. What does the word v'hiniach mean? Says the Gemara, mishiyesh bodas l'haniach. The word v'hiniach means to say that it's a level of skill. You have to have the das in order to be able to do the hanacha. And who does that exclude? Yatsu das We assume that a katan, a chereshot, and a katan, that these three groups of people don't have das, and therefore they cannot do a maisa that has das. And therefore, because they can't be meniach, they also cannot collect the eifer However, this is a problem. Because halfway down, the Gemara quotes a Mishnah, Tanan Hasam. We have a Mishnah that's quoted in Maseches Psachim. We learned this many months ago. This is, uh, what, 120 blad ago. It says the Gemara, Tanan Hasam, the Mishnah writes, Akol Ksherim Lekadesh. Everyone is allowed to be Mekadesh. What does Lekadesh mean in this context? It means to add the water to the Efer Hapara. We were, this question is about adding water to the Efer Hapara, but we're going to be asking about collecting the Efer which was uh, what we learned previously. But let's see if we can ask a question from adding water to the ether. So, however, 
the Tanakhama is of the opinion from the Mishnah Maseches Sachim that everyone's allowed to do the Kiddush with the exception of Cheshot to the Katan. And Rabbi Yehuda says he's, he does allow for a Katan, but he's posel isha uvandrogenes, androgyny, someone who is manifesting both uh, both of the simonim of uh, Zachrus v'Nafos, they have both male and female anatomy. So it says the Gemara, they're excluded, but a child is allowed. Now let's analyze these two shitas. My time of the Rabbanon. What is the reason of the Rabbanon to exclude Cheirashot but seemingly to include women? Says the Gemara, Dechziv v'lokichu l'atamei me'afar sreifa sachatos. Hanach depastle la be'asifa, a katan who is not allowed to collect in the gathering, as we saw uh, from the drasha in our pasuk, which is about halfway down, he is pasle lach bekidush. He's not allowed to uh, to add water to the afer. He's not allowed to do that because he's pasle for the asifa. And according to those uh, who we allow to do the asifa, namely women, So that explains the sheet of the Tanakama why he still doesn't allow a child because he was forbidden. Why we don't allow a child? Let me just be more thorough and clear. In the case of the Kiddush, when it comes to adding water, we don't allow him to do it there because he wasn't even allowed to collect the ashes. Masha'en Kane and Isha, she was allowed to collect the ashes, therefore she's allowed to add the water. Rabbi Yehuda, what's his reason? Rabbi Yehuda responds, that can't be shot. Tanakama has to be wrong. Why does the Tanakama have to be wrong? Because Imkain, Lama Kara Velokach, the Pasuk should, Lama Imkain, Lema, excuse me, Lema Kara Velokach, the Pasuk should have said in the singular, Velokach, and he took. My Velokachu. Says the Gemara, why does it say plural? It says it's plural. It's teaching us more of an inclusion because it's plural. It's not just one, it's two. So that which was possible before, namely a child, a katan, who was not allowed to do the, the asifa of the para, of the para, he couldn't collect the ashes, even though he's possible over there. But because v'lakhu is plural, so therefore we should be more inclusive and we should say that the child is allowed. So where do we learn the halacha of, uh, of an isha that she should be uh, that she should be uh, excluded. It says, v'nasan v'lo v'nasna, that she should not be allowed under certain circumstances. That's uh, going to be the shita of Rebbe Yehuda, because Rebbe Yehuda says, posel bi'ishu v'androgenes. Ay v'rabbanan, what do you do with this drasha? No, you, you learned it wrong. Rebbe Yehuda, you tried to exclude a woman because it says v'nasan and it didn't say v'nasna, but you're looking at it a little too narrowly because there's more going on in the pasuk. V'rabbanan, according to the Tanakhama, who include women, in the process of Kiddush, we say that they are allowed to be the ones to add water to the Efer HaPara. So Zog the Gemara as follows. Verabanon, the Tanakama, how do you hold? If the Pasuk had been both in singular without any plurals in the word which isn't the case, had it been that way, then I might have thought one person can do one, just the Asifas HaPara, and the other can do another, which is the um, which is the adding of the water. Kasav Rachmana Velaku, therefore the Torah wrote in plural to remove us from thinking that way. And then the Ikasav Rachmana had it been that both of them were Velaku Venasnu, the, the both of the verbs of Velakach and Venasan, that had they both been in the plural and not in the singular, and that said Laku Venasnu, what might I have thought, Havamina? I might have thought of the Shakle Trey, the Yahabe Trey. I might have thought that it has to be two people at a time, two people for the Asifa and two people for the Kiddush to add the water to the. Uh, to the ash, therefore, kasav rachmana to preclude from there the lachu and venasan deafilu shakle trevi yavchad. It doesn't have to be the same number of people who do one who do the other, and because the pasuk was already being utilized for that, so therefore the word venasan you cannot use that Rebbe Yehuda to teach us that a woman is excluded from the kiddush to add water to the ashes. That's just not correct because says says the Gemara in the name of the Tanakama those words are already being used for other things. 
And that brings us five, six lines from the bottom. Next bamaim. Now we're all the way at the end of the process. We've done everything else. Now you're actually going to make someone tahor. You're, you've got the ash and the water all mixed together. Mixed together the mechatas. It says the Gemara, you take the azov, you take the hisab, v'tavav b'mayim ish tahor. So it says the Gemara, how is this understood? According to the Tanakhama, ish below isha. The Pasuk says ish, and here we exclude a woman. And what does the word tahor mean? To teach us that a child is included, that he's allowed to do this. For the Rebbe Yehuda, according to Rebbe Yehuda, how does he learn the Pesukim? Ish, what does it mean? Ish below katan. Nope. Ish is an adult. It's an adult male. You could have learned ish as a drasha to exclude, exclude isha. Uh, for example, if you say, uh, uh, you know, a, the word isha is the opposite of what? So you might say isha and you might say yell it. Right? So that's what the Gemara is saying. We're looking at the word ish, ish below kata. And that's how Rabbi Yehuda learns the Pasuk. Well, how does he learn, learn the word tahor? So we have a machlokas as to how we understand these psukim in regards to who is allowed to actually do the process of tahra. Again, once it's already made. And this Gemara has been very organized and very thorough to go through every step. And that's what we've gotten up to so far. Asks the Gemara, everyone's allowed to do the hazo of the mechatas. Everyone's allowed to sprinkle the ash water. That's fine. With the exception of someone who's a tumtum, whose genitalia are not revealed. We don't know what gender the child is. Vandroganus, someone who has both of the, uh, of the anatomies, the isha and a woman. They are all, uh, they're all excluded. However, says the Gemara, Vekatan Sheyeshbo, and maybe even Vekatan Sheyeshbo, Machlokas in the Girsa here. You can see there it's in the Gilion on the side, but the Hagos Vitzion, we're not sure which one. So either a Katan that has Das or one that doesn't, Sheyeshbo Das, Isha Misayato Maze, that a woman can help and can uh, then they be allowed to do the Hazza. That's, of course, very interesting because the Isha was just excluded a line above. We're not going to dig into this, but let's get to our question. We're now on the top of Mem Gimel on the base, said the Gemara. If our previous machlokas was true, where's Rabbi Yehuda? You should be kicking and screaming. How can you say that that's allowed? Says the Gemara, that velo uh, Rabbi Yehuda, why isn't he arguing here? So says the Gemara, of course he argues here. Amar Abaye came under Amar Mar. Since as we started the day today, we learned this principle that mashma motzi miad mashma umashma lanila, that since we have some drashos that say one way, and then the next, next pasuk will immediately say the other way, and it'll be motzi miad mashma. And then another time you'll see that it'll be umashma memela, that the next drasha will match perfectly. We should therefore assume, Palig, that Rabbi Yehuda is not going to say something every single time it comes up. We should assume that he argues throughout as a theme. Uh, he's just going to keep his party line. So we assume there was a machlokas. Next drasha, and this is going to be our last drasha, a person who's tahor has to do the, the sprinkling onto a tame. So when it says the word tahor, that he used to at one point be tame. And says the Gemara, Limit al Tvul Yom. What we learn from here is that a Tvul Yom, Shekashir Bepara, wow, that a person who's a Tvul Yom, he's, he became Tame. He went to the mikvah already. However, the Tvul Yom is someone who's gone to the mikvah. He's done everything physical that he needs to do, but the clock hasn't, uh, hasn't ended up yet. He has to make sure that the sun sets in order for him to be Tahor. So he's not there yet. So he's kind of in the twilight zone of the Tahor status. It says the Gemara, because the Pasuk says Tahor, we learn from there to include a tvul yom in the elements in the process of the para aduma. Amar Rabbi Rab Asi, five lines down, Mem Gimel Amad Beis. Rabbi Asi says, Ki havu ba Rabbi Yochanan v'Reish Lakish b'para. When they were learning, when Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish were learning the sugya of para aduma, when they were learning the psukim, says the Gemara, Lo maske mina. The only thing they extracted from it was as much as elakimai the masik talimi bekrava as much as a fox would come out from an empty field, he'd have dust on their feet. In other words, they only picked up a little bit. The psukim are difficult. So if you have trouble learning the psukim of Paraduma in a halachic way, you're in extremely good company 
of Rav Yochanan and Reish Lakish. And that's why this Gemara has been chosen to present the idea of mashma motzimiyad mashma mashma memela. To present a case where psukim in one pasukim may look one way, or I should say even better, in one part of the process of paraduma it may look one way, and in the very next pasuk it may look very different. And that's why the Gemara detailed all of the eight, I think it was eight psukim that we just analyzed, all of the various steps. You have the nesina to the coin, you have the hotza, you have the shrita, you have the dam, you have uh, the mix, the collecting of the ashes, you have the mixing of the ashes, you have sticking the eight azov into the into the mechatas. There's so many steps that you have the actual sprinkling, and then we define the sprinkling all in order, tightly done. But much as it's organized, we have to recognize that the drashos were not simple. Says the Gemara, Ella, Amre, uh, Ella Amre, what do we say that this is the, the sugya to say, Mashma mi, Motsi miyad mashma, umashma mamela. This is one of the more difficult uh, parshios in the Torah to learn in that regard because sometimes it can just be confusing from one pasik to the next. Tani Tana Kame de Rav Yochanan. This is going back to a sugya we learned already. There was a brisa that was taught in front of Rav Yochanan, and what, what, what was said. It said, that every shrita is allowed with a non-kohen with the exception of a paraduma. So Amar Le Rav Yochanan, sorry, Pope Tani Levra, go see, uh, go out and see what's happening in the world. We don't have any cases, even by the paraduma, where a non-kohen does the shrita and it causes for a problem. The Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan was pushing back on a brisa. That's what the, what the Gemara said. It said, how is it presented? Tani Tana Kame to Rav Yochanan. Rav Yochanan Amora, he was pushing against the Brisa, says the Gemara. It wasn't bad enough that he pushed against, the, against that. Rav Yochanan, Lomi Boya, we don't even need to say how bad it is that Latana de Lotzai, that he wasn't listening to one of the Tanoim. But it gets even worse. How does it get worse? Because Ela Afilu the Rabbe Lotzai, he didn't even listen to his own Rebbe. Why? What happened? In the Gemara, it's presented that this is his Rebbe. What did his Rebbe say? Like we saw initially, like in the Brisa that was presented to Rav Yochanan, that if the Paraduma was shechted by a non-Kohen, it would be a problem. And Rav Yochanan says, I'm sorry, Rebbe, you're wrong. Wow, very strong presentation in the Gemara, because we therefore see that Shrita uh, is never Psula Bazaar. And that brings us to the two dots, one third of the way down, Balo Eitzel Paroshnia. And we ask the following question Why is the second vidui that the Kohen is going to be doing on his par, the Paroshal Kohen Gadol, why is it different than the first one? Says the Gemara. In the second, in the first vidui, excuse me, we didn't say uh, not only for me, but also for uh, for the children of Aaron and Amkedoshecha. Why, why? And in the second one, so answers the Gemara because he was being very methodical in how he was asking for kapara. The way that Hakadosh Baruch Hu structured the kapara of the par with the multiple vidui's was to make sure that the following was true. It's better that in the first vidui that the Kohen Gadol should get kapara. And now that he has kapara in the second vidu, he should be davening for other people. Absolutely, that's the right way to do it. Mutav yavo zakai v'chaper al hachayim v'al yavo chayim v'chaper al hachayim. It's better that he should first get generate his own kapara through the vidui on uh, Hashem. He should first generate his own vidui, which is his first vidui on the par, and then only afterwards can he daven for Klal Yisrael. Then says the that brings us to the next Mishnah, and the Mishnah reads as follows, and then we will uh, stop at the bottom of the page, two lines from the bottom. The Mishnah reads as follows. Afterwards, Shachto, he's going to Shech the par, 
and then says the Gemara, he's going to um, uh, receive the blood in a container. They would give it to someone who is going to be the stirrer. His job was to stir the blood, to be memares, and he would be on the fourth rovet. We'll discuss this more in the Gemara, but it seems to be that it was uh, like the, the way that the Beis HaMikdash was tiled. It's the fourth row of tiles. Uh, so that the blood wouldn't congeal. You can't do Zrikas Adam if the blood congeals. If you've ever dealt with blood, it congeals pretty quickly outside of the body. And then says the Gemara, that's part one of the Mishnah, part two of the Mishnah. And then, he would take a shovel, and he'd go to the top of the Mizbech to get the coals in order to go into the Kodesh. He would move the coals around in order to get to the bottom. He would go into the deepest parts, to the embers, the pieces of coal, of really wood, the pieces of wood that were the hottest. And then, and then he would take that and he would also put that down on the fourth uh, set of tiles, the fourth row of tiles. The Gemara Mishnah from here on out is going to give comparisons of every day versus the day of, of Yom Kippur. Really, normally what he would do is he would collect it. He would use a shovel that was made out of silver and he would uh, and he'd put it into something that was uh, However, that's all he would use. He wouldn't uh, change, change materials. It was only made out of silver, only made out of gold on Yom Kippur. Next. He would take out four, but only pour into a container of three. He would only take three and put in three, and that was it. He would do much more. Shalosh is six kabin. So that's double the amount than we, that, than we thought it was. But he'd only pour off into a container of three. But only would use three. Next. Three fourths of the way down in the middle of the Mishnah. Normally they'd use a heavy utensil, but today they'd use a lighter utensil. A lot of these, write them before Shem, a lot of these ideas was to make it a little easier for the Kohen Gadol because it was Yom Kippur and he was fasting and he had a lot of work to do. He says, This is going to be a lighter one. Sometimes they would use a shorter handled uh, shovel. They'd use another one. Some of them before Shem explained that if you're holding something that's very long and you could prop it under your arm as you hold it, so you'll hold the rod out here, but it's very long so it extends, so then you have an easier way to carry it. So that's what it means that it's a ruka. So it says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, the handle was short, it was easier for the coin because it was a longer hand. Throughout the year, it had a golden, the gold had a had a greenish color to it. Vayom Edom, it was going to have a reddish color to it. Divrei Rabbi Menacha. Becholim Makariv Pras Shacharitz Pras Bein Harbayim. Normally we would have done half in the morning, half at night. Vayom Mosif Malochovna. But today we actually add a little bit more. This is uh, some of the brayses that we read in um, in Korbanos that is Machnis Yadom Malochovna Biyamakipurim. Next, becholim Haisa Daka. Vayom Daka Mina Daka. Normally the flour that they would use was very fine. And today it would be finer than fine. It would be really just tremendously uh, well done flour. Normally people would go up the Eastern side of the ramp, which is further away from the Hefal. And they would come down to the Western side of the ramp, which was the side closer to the Hefal. But the Kohen Gadol would always walk right up the midline of the Kevesh. So that's not, that was just not a difference. He said even year round, the Kohen Gadol would walk up the middle of the ramp. 
every day of the year the Kohen Gadol would wash from the Kiyah. Remember we discussed about Ben Katin that he made 12 spigots so that all the Kohanim could do the process at the same time. They could do Kiddush Adayim Viraglaim at the same time. And we also know that the earlier version of the Kiyor had only two spigots, one at the higher part of, on a higher part because there was more water. They would try to use that one for the morning. And then for the afternoon, they'd use the lower spigot that would just uh, help them keep a measure of water. Bechol Yom says the Gemara, eight lines from the bottom. Bechol Yom, Kohen Gadol Mekadesh Adoraragba Minakior, but Vehayom Min Hakiton Shel Zahab. They had a, a separate uh, container, a ketone, some type of jug that was made out of gold. So they would be the difference. It says the Gemara, Yudomar Loolam Kohen Gadol Mekadesh Adoraragba Minakiton Shel Zahab. That was true during the year as well. Next, Bechol Yom Hayusham Arba Ma'arachos. There were normally four fires on the Mizbech. Yom Chamesh Tivirab Mer. But now there's five, and Yom Kippur there's a more. Rabbi Yossi, Yom Rabbi Chol Yom Shalosh. Really, there's usually three. Vayom Arba, and today there's four. That was a sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, Omer Bechol Yom Shtein Vayom Shalosh. Really, there's normally uh, two, but today there's three. That brings us to the end of the Mishnah. We're going to stop right here, and Amir Tashem will pick up tomorrow at some point. I'll post a video. I'm not sure when yet, and uh, we will learn tomorrow. Daf Mem Dalid. Wishing you all a beautiful.